the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a really interesting show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Shaman Waldman, who is very involved with ancient DNA findings from the Erfurt, Germany Cemetery. Now, this sounds like, you know, Rabbi Finman, you've got to be kidding me. No, no, no. This is like, this is amazing stuff. And it's just like, you, you don't, don't, don't flip out. <laughs> just give it a minute. You'll see. Second half hour, we're going to be talking about the portion of Vayishlach, chapter 32 and following the book of Genesis. We've got wonderful music scattered throughout the show, a classic Hasidic story all the way at the end. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> Two Islamic Jihad leaders were killed in a gun battle with IDF forces outside Jenin. A terrorist opened fire on a bus near Ofra. There were no injuries. A female soldier was injured in a terrorist ramming attack in Samaria. She is listed in serious condition. The United Nations Relief Agency, known as UNRWA, discovered a warehouse built by Hamas under a school. UNRWA, which takes care of displaced Palestinians, said the warehouse was a violation of international law and puts young children in danger. The warehouse was destroyed. Israel sent a bulletproof ambulance to Ukraine for use by that country's first responders. This is the first of four ambulances which is expected for, to be transferred to Ukraine in the coming months. Tel Aviv, and some really good news, I suppose sort of. Tel Aviv dropped from first to third place on the list of most expensive cities to live. New York City and Singapore top the list. Los Angeles and Hong Kong wrap up the top five. 
Lufthansa, you may remember this story from May, Lufthansa paid, that's the German Airlines, Lufthansa, let's try it again for the third time, Lufthansa paid each of over 100 passengers $20,000 who were denied boarding of a flight from Frankfurt to Budapest. Lufthansa, because they were Jews. Lufthansa also apologized and said that it has no tolerance for anti-Semitism among its employees. And while the World Cup is going on in Qatar, China won gold at the International Chess Championship in Jerusalem. Uzbekistan took silver while Spain won the bronze. The U.S. and Israel were eliminated before the medals round. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We have a special treat for our listening audience. We have Dr. Shaman Waldman, who is uh, from Harvard University and does engaged in ancient DNA studies, which is really cool just in and of itself. How are you, Shaman? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank God. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Ancient, the, 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 when I saw the article this week, um, I was just going to like flip right by. I saw this uh, headline. And it was like, okay, it's another headline. But something something caught me about this these findings of ancient DNA. And it's just like, so tell me about this work that you're doing on people who passed away 600 years ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very, uh, very interesting to work on this kind of data. Um so actually, uh, it, there's a lot of research in the ancient DNA field, but it was uh, problematic to do such uh, studies on uh, remains of Jews because, as you know, uh, the rabbinical uh, Jewish laws uh, prohibited um, disturbing the dead or the graves, open yes. graves. Yeah, so, um, so you cannot do it just for a research uh, purpose. Um, but uh, my advisor, Shai Karmi, Professor Shai Karmi, he uh, find this uh, place in Erfurt where... So the story of Erfurt is uh, very interesting. Uh, they There was a, a Jewish community in Erfurt in Germany. Uh, what's, starting me, from what's, the, for, for us Midwesterners that we think that the world ends at Ohio... Where exactly in Germany is Erfurt? 
Oh, so it's uh, kind of in the in the um, what big city is it? Near? Middle in in the middle. It was a, uh, actually it was a, a border city between like the Jewish communities in the west of Germany and the Jewish communities in the east of Germany. Okay. And we will talk about it later. But uh, yeah, so kind of in the let's say in the middle. But um, but so there was a, a Jewish uh, uh, community over there and then uh, in the um, in uh, 1349 there was a, a pogrom uh, in the city and most of the Jews were uh, were killed. Um, but then a few years later the Jews uh, resettled in Erfurt uh, and finally they were expelled from Erfurt in the 15th century. Mm-hmm. And after they were expelled from Erfurt, uh, the city uh, built a, a granary on top of the Jewish cemetery in okay, Erfurt. Let me, let me so how long do you think <laughs> Jews had been living in Erfurt? Going back to maybe even before the year 1000, like say the times of Charlemagne? No, they, they, it started in the in the end of the 11th century. 11th century. That, that was like the yeah, that was the beginning of the Jewish community over there. Um, okay. So. And 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 it was ended uh, in in the middle of the 15th century, where they were expelled from Erfurt, and like the the later uh, Jewish community in Erfurt was only in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. But so. We're so th- talking about this period between the end of the 11th century and and the 15th century. Okay, so now in my that mind, the- let me interrupt, please. In my in my yeah. mind, when you say they built a granary, so a granary is not a very big building. So was this a very small plot of land that occupied the Jewish cemetery of Erfurt, Shaman? Um. So that's a good question. I uh, I I never been in Erfurt, so I didn't see it in my eyes. But yeah, but there's it's. I think it's built on like some of the some of the cemetery, and maybe other parts are just in the in the ground, but not like uh, not below of the of the granary, but uh, like in in other surrounding parts. Got it. Um, but but the granary is relevant to our story because it just it stood uh, empty uh, until uh, recently, and then like in in 2013, uh, the city uh, allowed to to convert this granary into a parking garage, uh, and then they needed to build build a ramp for this granary, and they needed to ex- excavate. Uh, some of the of the graves in order to build the ramp. Okay, let me ask you. So, so let me ask you. So first, yeah. thing that, first thing that hits me is you, the United States is a very new country. The oldest building in the United States is 250 years old. This doubles that. This is a 600 year old building, and they decide, yeah. oh, you know what? It, you know, we're not using it. Let, let's make it a parking lot. That first. That's the first thing that hits me. Yeah, I was surprised too. I'm I'm from Israel originally, so yeah, it's also not very like uh, common in Israel to just do, do this uh, 
convert a very old building into a into a parking garage. But uh, yeah. Okay. So, so did people did people know surprising. that yeah. this five? Because in the United States, if you build something and it's there for a hundred years, people have no clue what was underneath it. There's no memory. There's no record. There's no nothing. It doesn't say this is the former site of. So did people know that six hundred years ago this had been a Jewish cemetery and there was a granary? Was this like common knowledge, or it's like sort of like when they started excavating, they said. Oh, look no, what we so found. I don't think it was a common knowledge, but there was people that knew about it. That's why, like, the the Karin, uh, who is the archaeologist over there, she went there and and uh, told them that it's, uh, it's a Jewish, there is a Jewish cemetery over there because they had, she had maps uh, that uh, specify where was the Jewish cemetery in the uh, Middle Ages. So there, there were people that knew that this is a Jewish cemetery um, below this, uh, this granary. And when they started to excavate it, she like, so she, she stopped them and told them, okay, there, there is a Jewish graves over there and we need to do a rescue excavation to, to move these uh, this graves to a, another Jewish cemetery. Uh, there was never like a um, you and I cry. Like, how could you desecrate the Jewish cemetery and go put your ramp someplace else or put your parking lot someplace <laughs> else? Just leave the leave the cemetery alone. That that was not a, a an option. It was like we need to no. we need to move these yeah. these graves. Okay. Yeah, they 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 had to 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 move this uh, these graves, and in in that point, so uh, my advisor Shaikami he found this place, and since the these graves were already excavated. He got a, a rabbinical approval to to use the teeth, detached teeth from the skeletons, uh, to do a, a DNA research. Okay. And the reason that we used only teeth is that the teeth are not considered as part of the body in Judaism. So we can use them to to do the to extract DNA and do the the research. Okay, so this probably answers my next question is. I would think we have the expression, you know, and it's quoted by everybody at most funerals, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And I was of the impression that after a bunch of years, like 100 years, there's not even a skeleton left. But you said that there were full remains after 600 years that needed to be transferred, Shaman? Yeah. Um, so today, uh, DNA is extracted even from bones from like thousand. Uh, like uh, tens of thousands of years ago, so this is a relatively a very short time. Um, like six hundred years is is like very recent, and there's no problem to extract DNA from these bones. Uh, like some of the DNA is degraded, uh, it's not in the quality of modern DNA, but for sure we can extract uh, a lot of DNA from this uh, okay. now, from this bone. Without our guest today is uh, Dr. Shaman Waldman. I'm having a great time. I don't know about you, Dr. Shaman Waldman. <laughs> we're talking about ancient DNA findings findings found in a Jewish cemetery in Erfurt, Germany. She is with the Reich Lab of DNA Studies at Harvard University. Um, so, without getting too geeky, how do you take a 600-year-old tooth and find anything besides the tooth fairy? <laughs> so, we have in the DNA, there's uh, the, uh, sorry, within the tooth, there's uh, the DNA sequence that 
uh, we have in each uh, uh, cell in our body. And this uh, sequence of DNA have information about our ancestry because we, like each one of us, receive the, uh, their DNA from their parents that receive it from their parents and from their parents. So actually in each one of us, there's a lot of information about many uh, years ago. Yeah, and we can go a very long way in the in the past uh, just using our, our uh, DNA. So when we have DNA uh, from these samples from Erfurt that are that was uh, more closer than us to the uh, origins of Ashkenazi Jews, we can use this DNA to to study about the the ancestors of this community. Uh, in Erfurt, and also we can compare their DNA to uh, to the DNA of uh, modern Ashkenazi Jews to see if this is the same population. We can also uh, study how diverse they were comparing to to the modern Ashkenazi Jews. We can ask a lot of questions uh, based on the on the sequence of the of the DNA. Okay, that's uh... and that's what we did in this. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so my daughter was given a present. She got somebody said, "Here's a. Uh, I'm buying you a 23andMe, which is one of these DNA ancestry things." Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, she had it done. We had a whole WhatsApp party, and she revealed the source, and it came out ta da da da. Our family's 100% Ashkenazi. No, <laughs> no surprise. Okay, so now, yeah. so I have this 100% Ashkenazi DNA. What did you find with these people that were? with the teeth from 600 yeah, years okay. ago. So I think that the most uh, stri- striking finding, finding was that uh, they are, like Ashkenazi Jews today are uh, very uh, homogeneous genetically, very, very similar to each other. And these uh, samples from Erfurt were much more heterogeneous than modern-day Ashkenazi Jews. Okay, so they were more different from each other than uh, than the average Ashkenazi Jews today. Um, so it, we realized that the, this homogeneous population, this modern uh, uh, population of Ashkenazi Jews, was not always like this, and that during the Middle Ages they were much more heterogeneous. We know from historical uh, records that there were uh, two Ashkenazi communities at the time, uh, one in the in the west of uh, Europe and one uh, in the east of Europe, and they were different, uh, like culturally wise. But we didn't know that there the, there were also genetic differences. And our study suggests that the differences were not only cultural but also genetics. And this pop, uh, this population were later. Uh, admixed and form the community that we know today as Ashkenazi Jews, which is very uniform uh, community, but it wasn't like this in the in the past. Uh, do we have the technology, the know-how to understand, like if we look at this gene, we could say, oh, this person had blue eyes, this person had brown eyes. So I'd like to know what's the differences that you w- were manifest. If I was uh-huh. walking in Airfoot uh, 700 years ago, and I would look at somebody and I would say, because I'm a, I'm a Chabad person, I go up to people and say, hey, are you Jewish? Would you like to put on tefillin? Would I recognize this person as, as being Jewish? You don't look so funny. You don't look Jewish. 
Yeah, so I don't know how the non-Jews uh, looked at the time, but uh, we tested some uh, traits like uh, eye color or uh, hair color, uh, and the, it was very similar uh, between modern Ashkenazi Jews and these Jews of Erfurt. The, so I assume that they looked similar. It's actually it's kind of striking that the continuity between uh, these samples and the modern Ashkenazi Jews, even though they were like the ancient samples were much more diverse, we we can see that they have the same uh, the same like ancestry source and that the gene flow from other populations into the Ashkenazi population uh, was very little since the 14th century. Uh, they there's a really like even though these people lived uh, with non-Jewish uh, Europeans around them, they almost uh, didn't admix with other populations from the 14th century to today. Um, so they were very similar. Okay, so if they were very similar to today, so how were they different then? What did you see differences? That is, so, but they were very similar, but they were just like more. Uh, more diverse. There, there was we had we find at least two groups in uh, in our study, and one group was more uh, had more uh, uh, East European uh, ancestry. The other, um, so and it 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 had more European ancestry than modern Ashkenazi Jews also. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a uh, this is a difference compared to the. To the modern uh, Ashkenazi Jews, okay, they were. So I'm going to so, ask. I'm going to ask a glib question. So, can my daughter go back to 23andMe and say, "Okay, so I'm 100% Ashkenazi, but which 100% Ashkenazi am I?" Uh, so, the I don't know if he, if she can ask 23andMe, but yes, there are like very uh, in 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 the modern genomes there are very minor uh, differences between Ashkenazi Jews that arrived from Western Europe and Ashkenazi Jews that arrived from Eastern Europe. Uh, these differences are very minor, but there are some differences. What we uh, what we showed in our study that these differences were much larger uh, if you are going back to the Middle Ages, but okay. the, we only see like these traces of this difference in in the modern genome. Okay. But yes. Yeah, yeah. Good. Understood. Our guest today, again, is Dr. Shaman Waldman from the Reich Laboratory of Genetics at Harvard University. We're talking about DNA findings in the Jewish cemetery in Erfurt, Germany. I am I'm fascinated. This is, like, beyond cool, to tell you the truth, Shaman. Um, so uh, what – Ashkenazi Jews have be, – and I figured it was because over the course of the centuries – with the lack of transportation and communication. So there's a slew of genetic disorders and diseases which are inherent among Ashkenazi Jews, such that there are organizations where young people are encouraged, get yourself tested to see if you have this genetic disorder. So you shouldn't marry somebody with a similar type thing, so that you shouldn't have, God forbid, a kid with Tay-Sachs or Kavanaugh's or or, uh, cystic fibrosis or any of those type of things. Did you find any of those type of things 600 years ago, Shaman? Yeah, so 
we we detect uh, the, some of these uh, some of these muta- mutations that cause this disease also in the in the Jews of Erfurt from uh, 600 years ago. Uh, so they also had these uh, these mutations in their genomes, and the reason for this uh, for these mutations and for the, that cause uh, uh, these diseases that you talked about is that uh, the Ashkenazi Jews had a founder event or bottleneck. Uh, that's how we called it in the genetic studies, and the meaning is that. This population uh, started from a very small group uh, of founders. And these founders had um, mutations, like all of us had, right? uh, random mutations. Uh, but because uh, the, the, it was such a small group of founders, all of the population that later uh, descended from these founders had the same uh, mutation. And because they married with each other, so we see more uh, more of these uh, diseases in Ashkenazi Jews, and the, and the, we find that these mutations also in Erfurt, meaning that they already experienced this founder event. They lived after uh, the founder event of the uh, of the Ashkenazi Jews, so they had the same. And mutations as the modern Ashkenazi Jews. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question. I'm warning you. You've, <laughs> you've got all this information. It's very wonderful. It's, it's very historic. I'm very proud of it. And I'm giving you major kudos to the whole organization. What practical thing are you going to do with this organization, with, with this information? What can we do now that we know the the DNA structure, the genetic structure of Jews 600 years ago, how is that going to help us today? Um, so the purpose of our study was to under, to get a better understanding of the origins of Ashkenazi Jews. We don't have a practical uh, implications of uh, like what uh, you can do with it uh, now, but rather we I think it's very important um to to understand the origins of this uh, of this population as as we're trying to do it for other populations so it just helps us to to get a better understanding of of our history and that was the purpose of our study okay would you be able to take it say back now that you have this piece of the puzzle would you somehow be cuz the first question it asked me is 600 years is a long time ago are there older jewish Cemeteries that are being watched at this point, Shaman. Uh, so that's a question I don't know to answer. Uh, as I said, it's uh, it's harder with uh, Jewish uh, cemeteries and Jewish remains because uh, you have a uh, strict uh, rabbinical rules, and so uh, I don't I don't know. But for sure, it's uh, something that worth uh, looking into because. We there, there's still a lot of open questions about the history of Jews and the history of Ashkenazi Jews, and, and the relations between Ashkenazi Jews and other uh, Jewish groups. Um, and if we have data, we can try to answer all of these questions. So um, uh, it's it's worth looking for for it. But I don't know if it, uh, if there are any other cemeteries that. 
uh, excavated. Okay, good. Uh, right one, one, one more question. The year is yeah. 20, uh, where are we, 2020, 20, 2073, okay? And you're, mm-hmm. looking, you're looking back at your career, and you said, I had a successful career. Could you describe that, please? What does it mean for Dr. Shaman Waldman to have had a successful career? Um, that's a hard question. That's the hardest question. <laughs> um, uh, that's something I need to, to think about myself. But um, I think that if um, I will be able to to use um, the, these tools of ancient DNA and uh, modern DNA uh, to get people to to understand more about their history or the history of their world and where did we arrive from, uh, I will be happy. I will be satisfied with that. Great. Are you planning on writing any books? Uh, no, not for the moment. Okay. Not not in any language. <laughs> okay. <we're gonna> <laughs> no. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, now I'm focusing on my study. But, good. Yeah. Very good. I wish you much, <laughs> continue, much success. Thank you very much. Our guest today has Thank been you. Dr. Shaman Waldman. She's with the Reich Lab at Harvard University. We've been discussing ancient DNA findings at the Erfurt Jewish Cemetery in Erfurt, Germany. I want to thank you so much for coming on and enlightening us. And thank you. I, I feel my, that I'm smarter now. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank T- you so much. It T- was great talking to you. Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hey, Shulthman, are you listening to the Jewish Hour? That was that was really fascinating. I mean, I'm a, I know I'm a geek, but I hope you enjoyed that as well. Uh, we have up next, for your listening pleasure, this is first for your listening pleasure, this is Eliatias, and this is a wedding melody, 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 let's try it again. So if you go to a Jewish wedding, you'd hear some of these songs.
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community. And Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Shulfinman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. That was upbeat and exciting, that last piece. Let's do the same thing with this one. This is called the Malchus Choir. And this is Gam Tsipor is the name of the song. It's liturgical by nature. And it, the word Gam Tsipor means also or even a dove. Even a dove knows where to go home, which implies in this liturgical piece, meaning that we do it in the synagogue, is that the Almighty takes care of everybody at all times. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
the Malchus Choir. I hope you liked that. That was really nice. Uh, up next, the the song is called Aphilu Behester. Even things that go on like hiddenly, God's in charge. We've got it covered. And this, the artist is Daniel Zamir. Let's listen. <laughs> So 
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We've got a community announcement for you. Detroit, Ukraine, Jewish Community Unity Event, December the 12th. That's this Tuesday, 6.30 p.m., Shari Tzedek Congregation on Bell Road in Southfield. The event is free. They'll be hearing what's going on in Ukraine from people who are just there, like Ethan Gross, who was on the show two weeks ago, and also Rabbi Mendel Moskowitz, who is the chief rabbi of Kherson, will be in town talking about that as well as others. There's a uh, warm clothing drive, so please come with winter clothes, which is in which are still in decent shape, that they can be uh, distributed to people there. They don't have heat over there, That's and it's cold in the Ukraine. And uh, the event is free, and it's Tuesday, 6.30 at at Shari Tzedek. Okay, Um, the portion of the week is the portion of Ayishlach. In it, Jacob is coming back. This is good Bible story stuff. This is like the, uh, the whole analogy of good versus evil is in this week's Parsha. Before Jacob comes back to the Holy Land, he has to first encounter his brother Esau. Now, 22 years ago, his brother Esau swore, I'm going to kill that guy. He stole my birthright. He stole my father's blessings. What am I left with? I only get to be the progenitor of the Roman Empire. That's all Esau was. That's all. So Jacob is concerned. It says that he divided up his family into two, so in case there's a problem, one of them can escape, and which I don't see how that would happen. Asaph would just track the other one down and wipe it, but that's what he did. But he stopped and he prayed. 
And what did he say? He said, I am small from all the kindnesses and all the truth that you have done to me, God. Okay, the small meaning, I no longer deserve anything. What I got from the last 22 years, what I was able to accomplish, and the way that the Almighty looked out for me, I have used up all my merits. Very interesting thing. His grandfather, whether he knew it or didn't know it, said exactly the same thing. He said, I am but dust and ashes, meaning I should have been burnt up in a fire. I should have been trampled into the ground by four armies. And you have uh, been at my side and you saved me. You always took care of me. And the Almighty responded both to Jacob and to Abraham in the same way, similar ways, same message. He says, Altira Avdi Yaakov, Jacob, my servant, you have nothing to fear. This, the, the, uh, the, 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 the qualifier, the modifier for the word Jacob, my servant, with emphasis on the word my. Since Jacob's whole raison d'etre, his whole Weltenschule, everything that he did, he breathed, was for the promulgation of monotheism, the Almighty said, you're taking care of me, I'm going to take care of you. And this is how this biblical story that happened 4,000 years ago is relevant to us because we're in the same position. Person looking around at themselves. Listen, you got this far. We say, my grandmother used to say, my bubby, of blessed memory, if I didn't see my name in the obituary page today, I'm doing okay. That, that was her line. Everybody knew about bubby's line. We're not told that we're not going to have problems. Jacob had problems. His whole life he had pro- he had problems in uterine. Before he was born he had problems. He had problems all the way to the end of his life he had problems. But they're not as we were determined problems. A problem is only if you let it get the best of you. What he had is what I tell people has is you have Solutions that are yet to be found. The solution is there because God doesn't give you anything you're not going to be able to handle. And he was thinking, listen, this is a big one. Jake, an ace of coming with an army to kill me. That's a that's a, a, a really a solution that needs to be found. Comes along the Almighty and says, pshaw, translation is my own. You got nothing to worry about. I got your back. In fact, it's not that God has your back. God's got your front. We're just kind of like hanging on for, for for the ride. It's God's doing the doing. And this is what this is this is what Jacob needed to understand. And this is what we need to understand. The problems that face us on a daily basis, however small, however magnanimous, and I wish no one problems, but God told Adam that there's going to be problems. Every man's going to have problems because Adam ate that fruit. Everybody's got problems. But the Almighty said, trust me. Quite literally, you'll trust in the Almighty, and you'll see the problems will be able to work themselves out. Speaking of problems, we don't have any problems, God, Baruch Hashem. It's December. November hasn't been paid. Is that a problem? Nah, it's not a problem. Jew, uh, Salem Communications is 
very uh, trusting and lenient, and they know that eventually people like you are going <laughs> to kind of help fund it. We're on air 28 years. We're going in our 29th year, and every single week I make the same plea that we need your funding, and could you please support us? And you do that at the uh, rabbifinman.com page, and uh, once you're through listening to this show, and you'll make a donation. You'll make it a one-time donation, make it a smaller donation regularly, five time, you know, uh, once a month, also good, however it is, because, it's the, believe it or not, it's the little dribs and drabs. You think, what am I going to do? $10 a month, big deal. You know, what do you get for ten for ten dollars a month? You don't even get lunch these days. For ten dollars a month, what am I going to give Finmit? Believe me, it's the ten dollars a month that are keeping this show afloat. Were it not for those ten dollars a month, the Jewish hour would have been gone a long time ago. But it's because you're coming up, you're stepping up to the plate. Those people who are not doing it know who they are. You've listened already for 48 minutes to the show. You've gotten this far. You're, I would think between you and me, having listened to today's show, you're a smarter person. And it's quality radio like this that is allowing to you to be smarter. You know, it's very interesting. You know, um, you go into a restaurant and you order this fancy meal and you leave the fancy meal and you say, I, it just it doesn't make me feel right. It's not uh, something about the food. It was good. There's nothing wrong with the food. But it's just like, it's not, I don't, I, you have a simple meal at home. And uh, it's it's healthier. It's the way, exactly what you want. You feel, oh, I feel good after eating this. That's what the Jewish hour is. The Jewish hour is a broadcast that will make you feel good when you finish listening to it. That's what that's that's our goal. That's our aim. And I hope. Uh, listen, we've been here for twenty, like I say, for twenty eight years, and we're still doing it. So must be that it's effective. And like I say at the show, we hopefully have a chance to entertain you a bit. And I hope you have a chance to educate you a bit, and uh, you've been able to do it. So go to rabbifinman dot com, give today. The story involves the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, there are zillions of stories about how the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement back in the uh, mid-1700s, would travel. He would get in a wagon, sometimes with his students, sometimes without, and uh, he would just tell his wagon driver, I think his name was Alexei or Ivan, one of those Russian names, to drive. And Alexei would fall asleep, and they would travel after for several hours and be hundreds of miles away in a horse-drawn carriage. And this happened numerous times. There are many, many stories as to this effect. So it once happened that, excuse me, that the Baal Shem Tov ordered his disciples to get in the wagon. It was like getting on towards night, and they got in the wagon, and the driver fell asleep. And the next morning they woke up in some city that was who knows where. And they walked, and he said, come with me, don't say a thing. And they walked into a synagogue. In the synagogue, there was such a tumult. Everybody was talking about this. They were talking about business, and they were talking about their problems with this one. And even in the middle of davening, and when they were in their prayers, they were signaling with their hands. No one was paying attention, even in the, in the high points of the prayer. So, nope, people, were, people weren't into it. Baal Shem Tov walked out and said, this prayer, this, this synagogue is full, filled with prayer. The students were kind of like, uh, what? 
I wouldn't see real people weren't paying attention. They went to another one. And this time they walked in and they saw people were engaged, their prayers, they were focused. There was uh, no alt- exterior extraneous noise. And uh, the Baal Shem Tov took his disciples out and said, this prayer, this, this synagogue had no prayer in it. And they're looking like, very like, okay, explain. So he said that when a person prays, an angel, meaning a messenger, a conduit for one's prayer is established whereby a person's prayers are elevated before the Almighty. In order to do that, it talks about it in several places, especially in the Tanya in chapter 41 and following. It has to be done with a certain amount of purposefulness, the right intention, the right kavana, such that a person feels a love and an awe of the Almighty. When a person does that, their, their prayers fly. If a person is just kind of like saying the words, eh, okay, maybe it gets picked up, maybe it doesn't get picked up. But, but if a person's like doing other things and is just like and not involved in his prayers, the prayers stay here. They don't go anywhere. So he said, that first synagogue that we into which we went, their prayers didn't go anywhere. They created no angels. They weren't into it at all. The second one, they were into it. We said, and that's why he said in the first one, it was filled with prayer. The second one was empty because all the prayers had been elevated and gone before the Almighty. At which point, the disciples got back in the coach, and several hours later, they were back in Mezhabuzh. That's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. Seriously, we hope to see you back again next week. Take care. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.